So the reading today is from Acts 2, verse 22 to 24. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Brilliant. Good afternoon and um, welcome. It's great to see you. My name is John T. Um, and it's, oh, it's such a joy to see lots of people here. Um, I know it's still not quite what we want it to be, but it's better than it was, and we're excited, and it's great to be here at Easter um, and to be able to celebrate together. And I just want to talk for a few minutes. I mean, let, it's a bit weird, isn't it, right? Human beings are a little bit weird in lots of ways, but one of the ways we're weird is that we have this tradition where once a year we remember events that happened 2,000 years ago in another country, in, in a city called Jerusalem, a long, long way away to some slightly obscure Galilean carpenter who got on the wrong side of some authorities, ended up nailed to a cross, and then rumors started circulating three days later he was alive. And we still celebrate that. Does that not strike you as slightly weird? See, maybe that for lots of us, we're so used to it that it's not, we don't think it's weird at all. It's Easter. It's called Easter, John T. This is what we're doing. But when you stop and think about it, it is strange. And it may be that some people are here this afternoon, and you, you're very clear that it's strange. You think, what an odd thing to do this afternoon on a glorious sunny day to sit inside and listen to songs and think about this man. So give me a few minutes, and let me try and show you why? Try and show you why this is not a strange thing to do, but this is where true hope is to be found. And I'm going to take one sentence, and then we're going to pull it apart, and we're going to try and understand together what this one sentence says about the events that happened 2,000 years ago. Here's the sentence. But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. There's the sentence. That one sentence from Acts chapter 2 summarizes what was going on on that first Easter Sunday. There are three bits. Listen to them again. Firstly, God raised him from the dead. We need to understand what that means. The second bit of the sentence tells us the reason that God raised him from the dead is to free him from the agony of death. So we've got the fact God raised Jesus from death. The goal, God freed him from death. So he raised him from death to free him from death. And why did he do it? Well, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. 
Now, we're going to try and see how those three bits of the sentence are connected to one another, and we're going to try and think carefully about this to get our heads around what is really going on. So let's take each bit in turn. Here's the first bit, right? The fact. God raised him from death. God raised him. Now, when you take that word raise, okay, to raise something is to take it from a place where it is down and to bring it up, right? That's fairly basic. That's what raise means. And we're fairly used to the idea in our culture that down is bad and up is good, right? We all want to go up. Up is great. And to raise something up takes effort. It takes no effort for things to go down, but a lot of effort to get them to go up, right? Look, I know gyms have been shut for quite a long time, but as far as I can remember, last time I went to the gym, the difficult bit about doing weights was the up bit. Because the down bit, to be honest, you can just let go. It does it itself. It's not impressive to see someone who can say to you, look, I can drop 50 kilos. So can I. I don't want to know if you can drop it. I want to know if you can raise it. Because the power is seen in the raising, not the going down. Up requires effort. Down happens naturally. When our kids were smaller, we used to go to the zoo. A lot. <laughs> we had these membership cards. They were terrific. Many, many happy days out. Colchester Zoo is a terrific zoo. Yes. And at Colchester Zoo, they have all sorts of exciting animals. But one of the best... It may not be the best. This may be underselling Colchester Zoo. But they have one um, exhibit where you can test your strength against animals. Um, which doesn't sound as exciting, it's not as exciting as it sounds, right? So what it was, was there's some ropes with weights on the end, and you had to pull them to see how strong, it started with like a mouse, and then there was a meerkat, a chimpanzee, a tiger, and then an elephant. And you had to pull on these ropes to see what your equivalent was. So I was fairly confident, you know, I, I, I pulled on the mouse one, that was all right. I struggled a little with the meerkat weight. That bothered me. And by the time I got to the chimpanzee, I needed help. And I'm pretty sure they just tied the elephant one to the floor. But the point is, you see, that we are to, to raise something, to raise a weight takes strength. Now, let's take that idea and say, okay, what if the weight that we're trying to raise is death itself? Picture death as being like a weight. Well, in the face of death, we're confronted with something that is way beyond our power. And we can flex our muscles, and we can build our strength and we can vaccinate, and we can medicate, and we can ventilate, and we can operate, but we cannot lift death. 
That's the humbling reality that all of humanity has to face up to. When it comes to death, we are powerless. It is like an enormous boulder that we just can't shift. You see, death is an irreversible and immovable reality. The best that we might hope to do is to postpone death. It may be that we can slow its approach by being healthy. You can buy your creme de la mer for £1,600 a bottle that claims to be an anti-aging cream. It's not anti-aging. Right? It doesn't do anything to your age. It might make your skin wrinkle slightly slower. But it's a lot of money to pay. Because the reality is that not one of us, no human being who's ever existed, has been able to pull on the rope of death and reverse it. And to raise death back to life. Here's our first statement. God raised him from the dead. That's what Peter preached just a few days after the first Easter. God raised him from the dead. Six one-syllable words. The simplest of sentences that express a moment of power beyond our wildest comprehension. Look, if you don't feel the force of those six words this afternoon, then I don't know what, I don't know what more I can do. <laughs> if it's true that God raised a man from the dead, then we are facing up on Easter Sunday to the most extraordinary act of power that has ever been seen. Do you know, when God first created humanity, according to the Bible in Genesis, chapter, um, in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 2, we're told that God fashioned a human body out of the dust. It's like a, you know, you, do you remember playing with clay at school? It's great, right? It's all squishy, and it's fun, and you make your little elephant, and it's cool, and you give it a long trunk, and it's feels all lovely and you make your model. Well, here's God. He gets the dust of the ground. He gets the mud and he forms, he fashions a human being out of the dust of the earth. But it was lifeless. It's just a body, right? It's just dust. And then God breathed. He breathed life. The first man, the man who would give life to all, was raised from the dust to be a living being. It was a moment of supreme life-giving power. Look, no human being can do that. No child in their primary school classroom makes their clay elephant and then goes, ooh. And suddenly the clay elephant starts to dance on the desk. 
We know that doesn't happen. No human has that power to take something that is dead and to make it alive. Despite all our scientific advances, despite all of our brilliance, the power to take what is dead and make it alive is way beyond us. We cannot do it. But now, in the cool of a stone garden tomb, God once again gazes on a lifeless body. Just like the first man that he created in the beginning, once again he is confronted with a human body that is lifeless. And just as he did in the beginning, in the garden, God once again breathes life. Imagine it in the garden. Imagine it in the grave. His heart starts to beat again. His blood starts to flow again. His lungs fill with air and his eyes open. A simple, quiet, breathtaking demonstration of power. And this second man, this man who would give life to all, was raised from the dust of death. Do you know there was no one there in the garden when God first breathed life into Adam, when God took a lifeless body and first made humanity. And there was no one there in the grave when God took a lifeless corpse and he breathed life into it again. Because God's moment of supreme power was not about some publicity stunt. It was a moment of raw power when the eternal God proved that he alone is the one who has the power to push the boulder of death uphill and to raise what is dead back to life. And so unobserved by any human eye, far from the glare of publicity, God acted to change the world. I wonder this Easter day, does that make your heart beat a little faster? To try and imagine that moment. I mean, could that be true? That is what is at the heart of what we believe. God raised him from death. That's the fact that Peter preached God raised him from death. But there's more in this sentence because the second clause of the sentence is that God raised him from death, freeing him from the agony of death. You see, the fact God raised him from death is because the goal was to free him from death. This was not just a resuscitation. This was just not, oh, poor Jesus. People have been really mean to him and killed him. Perhaps we should raise him from the dead and give him a few more years so he can do some more useful stuff. No, this is something far more profound. What is happening in this moment is that a transformation is happening where Jesus is no longer experiencing the agony of death. Okay, look, think about gravity again. Gravity is a real pain. I know it has some upsides, but it is a real pain. It really does make life harder. It makes the gym a lot harder, right? I mean, the gym would be easy without gravity. 
We're enslaved to gravity. It holds us down. It keeps us from doing what we want. And although our Kelly will sing, I believe I can fly, he can't. And how much you might want to fly, and how much you might dream of flying, you can't fly because gravity will always pull you down. And death is that downward pull on us. It drags us down. And I want to speak gently, but we've been reminded this afternoon of the harsh reality of this world. And you know what? You just can't live very long in this world without experiencing death. You just can't do it. No matter how much you cocoon yourself and get yourself in a bubble and surround yourself with things that will keep you safe, you just can't avoid death. Just like gravity, you can't escape it. So it is with death. It is pulling us down. It is tugging on us. And we go through life, and there are days when we forget it, but there are days when it comes right up in our face, and it tugs at us. And Jesus experienced what that was like. He entered our world and felt the downward pull of death. This sermon that Peter preached that Suji just read for us. Peter says, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man. Got to get out of our heads that he was some kind of spiritual floaty, floaty being. He was a real man who came and lived in this real world. And he felt the downward pull of death. So Jesus knows exactly what it is like to stand at the grave of a close, close friend and to weep because he'd lost someone that he loved. He felt the downward pull of death. Jesus knew what it was like for his body to decay and to get older. He knew what it was like to be in a world that was dying. And supremely, he knew what it was like to die. You see, on Good Friday, Jesus faced death itself. And so Jesus entered this world of death, and he experienced the agony, not just on the cross, but the whole of his life lived in this world of pain and sorrow and tears. You know that song we used to sing at Round campfire, we, I don't know if you ever, you ever sang it around a campfire. Kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya, kumbaya. I, I think it's an international song. No one knows what kumbaya really means, I don't think. But one of the verses says, someone's crying, my Lord, kumbaya. It means come close, I think. Someone's crying, my Lord, kumbaya. And it strikes me, that's true, isn't it, right? Wherever you, where, whenever you sing that song, someone somewhere in the world is crying at that moment. Jesus knew that. But you remember what Peter said? God raised him from death, freeing him from the agony of death. That is, when God raised Jesus from death, he didn't raise Jesus back to life like he'd been before. He raised him to a new sort of life, a life that was free from the agony of death, a life that was no longer pulled down by death, a life that was now free to live. 
You see, when Jesus came into this world and died, he did something. He fought with death, and then he rose again, and from then on, he was no longer dying. He was no longer getting older. He was no longer experiencing the decay and the suffering because that was finished, because God freed him. If you, if you like the, to push the analogy way too far, um, you'd be surprised that I would ever do that. Um, to push the analogy way too far, Jesus as he rose from the dead, was like a rocket that blasted its way out of gravity's reach completely. So that death had no hold on him anymore. He is freed from the agony of death. I think that's pretty cool. And why? Why is it that God raised him from death to free him from the agony of death? Well, it's because God is stronger than death. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. Do you know what? Sometimes people say to me, oh, you're stupid believing in the resurrection because it's impossible. That's impossible because dead people don't rise. Peter would say, no, 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 you've got your impossible thing wrong. It's not impossible for Jesus to rise from the dead. In fact, it's impossible for Jesus to stay dead. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. And I think what we're supposed to picture at this moment is that death is is like an enemy that is seeking to hold on to Jesus. That as Jesus descends into death, death grabs hold of him. But there's something about Jesus which is different. And there's something about Jesus that's different to any other human being. There's something about Jesus that is too strong. Because Jesus is stronger than death itself. So God raises him from death to free him from death because God is stronger than death. You see, the staggering reality is that Jesus is a man who's also God. And that is what death got wrong. That was the big tactical mistake that death made. You see, death knew what to do with human beings. Here comes another one. Here comes another one. Here comes another one. And death holds on to humanity. Death is an enemy that holds on and does not let go. No one ever comes back from death. Here's another one. Here's another one. And along they come like a conveyor belt into death's jaws, into death's grip. Oh, and here's another one hanging on a cross, gasping for death, for breath. He'll be ours soon. Here he comes. He's nearly gone. He's breathing. He's breathing. A couple of breaths left. <gasps> That's his last breath. Here he comes. He's mine. Death welcomes him in. In you come, holds on to him. But then something happened. Because there was something different about this one. 
And you can imagine death for the first time ever in its experience, suddenly thinking, what is going on? Who is this? I've never had someone who would fight death. I've never had someone dare to challenge my dominance. I always win. I'm death. I'm the undisputed champion of the world. No one defeats me. But here comes Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus is different. And the reason that Jesus is different is because Jesus is not simply a man. He is also God. And just like Dan was saying earlier, that God is the one who saves. This is what he saves us from. He saves us from death. From slavery to death. We can't save ourselves, and so Jesus came to save us. And sometimes we make out like it, oh, perhaps it was a close fight, you know, perhaps it was touch and go. You know, in the, um, in the uh, uh, FA Cup semi-finals coming up, the Southampton are playing Leicester. <laughs> You know, it's going to be very close to evenly matched teams. Very difficult to know who's going to win that. Sam, no comments. You know, it's evenly matched. Let's see who wins. Sometimes we feel like that, you know, oh, Jesus and death are quite evenly matched. Who's going to win? It's a bit of a battle. Peter says it's not even a battle. It was impossible for death to keep its hold. He didn't even have a chance. There was no way that death could keep its hold on Jesus. Because Jesus is the Son of God. So yes, Jesus stepped into this world. He experienced the agony of death. He even went to the place of death. But then he smashed his way out. And you may say to me, John T., look, to be honest, this is all very interesting and nice and bizarre, um, but what on earth has it got to do with me? Okay, this is why it matters to you. And this is why, if this is true, it matters more than anything that you will ever hear. If this is true, it means that your death does not need to be the end. You see, if there is someone who has defeated death, if there's someone who's been raised from death and freed from the agony of death and is stronger than death, then that gives you hope in the face of death. You see, if you cling on to him, then you can smash out of death itself. You see, at the zoo, when I was trying to pull the weights, if I was riding an elephant, we'd have been all right. If I was joined to an elephant, if I, was, if I had an elephant with me, then I could do that. I could, I could pull everything. And death is too strong for you, but it's not too strong for Jesus. And if Jesus has broken through death, and you, if you are with him, 
then he will take you through it as well. This is why it matters more than anything that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Look, if Jesus is still dead, this is all a waste of time. If Jesus is still dead, it means nothing. Christianity is nothing. But if Jesus rose from the dead, then this is life. This is hope. And as we walk through this world and experience the agony of death and the sorrows of death and the pain of death, there is hope that we will go through death and that Jesus' story becomes our story so that we are raised with him and we are freed from the agony of death with him forevermore. Can you imagine a world where there's no more death? Of course you can't. But that's what we're promised. And this Easter Sunday, we need to hold on to this reality about Jesus. All of us will die. And all of us will die because of the way we've treated God. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. All of us will find ourselves heading towards death. And that's why we need saving. And we need saving by someone who is stronger than death. When a meerkat comes running up to me at the zoo and says, I'll help you pull the elephant one. The meerkat can't help me because the meerkat's not stronger. What I need is someone stronger, and that is who Jesus is. He's the one who's stronger than death, who went to death in my place, who experienced it for me, who was raised, freed forever. Guys, we need to finish. This Easter Sunday, this is why it is not weird to celebrate Jesus. Because he's defeated death. And so let me say to you, let me just apply this. To some people here, you're, you're facing the reality of death at the moment. You know what it is like to live in a world of death. You know what it's like to feel the pain and the suffering and the sorrow of death. Well, let me say very clearly to you this Easter day, Jesus knows, he has wept, but he has defeated it. And therefore, this Easter day, he says, will you trust me? even in the face of death. For some of us, we're not sure what to make of all this stuff. Well, this Easter day, I want to say to you, if Jesus, is, if this is true, pin all your hope on him. Trust him. Because he has defeated death. And to all of us, this Easter, this is where joy is found. If you're feeling weary and tired, if you're feeling fed up with lockdown, if you're feeling miserable about life, if you're just feeling a bit apathetic and bare, this is where joy is found. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because death could not keep its hold on him. We've got to let that stir us. We've got to let it grab our hearts again and we've got to allow Easter joy to flood our lives. Would you ask him this Easter? to know that joy is a reality in your life. Why don't we pray?
and we're going to sing together as we finish. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that there is someone who is stronger than death. We thank you that there's someone who has defeated death. There's someone who has reversed death. We thank you for that awesome moment of power when you raised Jesus from the dead. And Father, thank you that because of him, you will do that for us as we trust in you. So Lord, please help us this Easter to know joy, the joy of life. And we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.